title of my message this Rosh Hashanah is simple. Turn the page. Turn the page. I believe there comes a time in every one of our lives where we have to let go of that which is behind us and press forward to that which is ahead. You can't hold on to what happened to you negatively or positively. You can't hold on to the abuse and you can't hold on to the success. There comes a time that you must shift into the new destiny God has for you. The old wine skin cannot receive new wine. It doesn't work that way. If you want the new wine, you've got to be a vessel that can contain something new. And you'll never be able to take dominion, to multiply, to be fruitful if you're stuck in yesterday. Amen? I've said this before. There's nothing worse than a has-been, a wanna-be, or a gonna-be. A has-been's always talking about what they used to do. A wanna-be's always talking about what they're gonna do, and a gonna-be's always procrastinating and never doing anything. I am for a person who swings the bat when he has a full count. I'm for the person who goes for it even if they fall on their face. I'm for the person who operates in faith. And I believe if we'll do those things, God's gonna protect us during this very difficult and tumultuous season we are in. This message will be prophetic first and practical second. And I hope you can receive the prophetic part of this message because I believe if you'll pay attention with your spiritual ears, God will give you a grain of something that will sustain you over the course of the next 12 months. It's a new beginning today, biblically and spiritually. Rosh Hashanah is a reminder that all things are being made new. We call it the Feast of Trumpets. As I taught you during the conference, Dr. J.R. Church has a formula he is using to track the return of Jesus Christ. He goes from Psalms 120 to Psalms 135, the Ascension Psalms. And he believes that even if this is not the season, that the season is going to look like what it says from Psalms 120, everybody say 2020, to 2035, Psalms 135. It would do you some good to read it. But this is year 5783, shifting from 5782, which was a return to the church, a return to the things of the faith. Now we're entering into this new season of fullness. What does this season mean according to the Hebrew alphabet and the Hebrew calendar? The many times I've been to Israel, I always was amazed at the rabbis in the libraries literally doing this, studying the Torah and constantly making notes. And it, just during our two hour visit, they never stopped studying. But if you ever try to study the Hebrew language, it makes sense why the rabbis study all day. Because the curvature of the letters can mean eight different things. The numbers are also letters and it reads from backwards to forwards. So there's all kinds of prophetic meanings in the Hebrew language and even in Hebrew numbers. And for the casual looker, you can miss some things that God may want you to see in the Hebrew alphabet or the Hebrew language. 
First, let me give you the final two numbers just to get your spirits going this morning. In the Bible, 83 means life in the womb. 83 is life in the womb. We've had a shift about those carrying life in the womb in this past season. But it's more than that, it's deeper. It means we've been in a season of pregnancy. We, we've been pregnant with maybe a dream or, or, or a vision God has given us and, and we must take care of that which is inside of us and nurture it and operate in health and, and, and be faithful during that part of the process. And if we're faithful during that part of the process, there's a breakthrough coming. The number 83 also means breakthrough. It means fullness. I believe that Jesus will not return until we see another great awakening. I believe, and I taught you this through the book of Revelation, in one more shift, one end time great awakening revival that's not denomination, that crosses every ethnic line, that crosses every denominational line where people are getting saved and healed and coming to Christ. I'm believing we're getting closer and closer to that breakthrough. 83, it also means to fill the earth. In Genesis, the last thing Brother Carpenter preached, and I'm amazed at how God ties things together, when he shifted from multiplication into dominion and being fruitful, he said, we're to fill the earth. The Hebrew numerical system to fill the earth is associated with the number 83. So we're about to enter in, if we're faithful for a season, and I believe this next season's gonna get more difficult. You won't hear that all over the place. Everybody's prophesying 10 blessings and everything else. Yes, those blessings are valid and they're coming, but they're coming after a season of obedience. You're not gonna wake up tomorrow with your breakthrough. Your breakthrough's gonna come as you walk with God, stay faithful to the things he loves and speak what he says for a season. It's, there's gonna be shortage coming, but God's people are gonna be protected and provided for those of us that are faithful, amen? Somebody say, I'm faithful. Now, not everybody that goes to church or claims Christianity is gonna walk in this breakthrough because not everybody's saved, not everybody's faithful, not everybody's filled with the fullness of God, not everybody can hear what the Spirit is saying, but many of you can. And if you'll stick by the stuff for this next season, five, seven, eight, three, a shift is coming. An expansion is coming. God is going to make an enemy of your enemies. God is going to avenge that which the devil has taken from you. The number five is the number of grace, my favorite biblical word. It's in the Hebrew alphabet, heh. And it also means the breath of God. It also represents the Torah, the laws of God. So what could God possibly be saying? Obedience goes first, grace comes second. Seeking God with a pure heart is bringing about a new revival of grace for areas in which we fall short. So there's a new level of grace coming for those who are pursuing the truth of God, the spirit of God, the breath of God, 
as well as the grace of God. The number seven is perfection, completion, wholeness, creation. It's the Hebrew alphabet, chet. And it also can mean weapon, sword, or crown. So as we're faithful to the things of God and we achieve this new level of grace, then comes wholeness and completion, a finishing of things that brings about after the war, a crown. So God is going to be promoting some people in the kingdom in this next season. But it's not gonna be random, it's gonna be promotion for those who have fought with the sword and fought for what's right. If you've stayed on the sidelines in the area of righteousness, you're not gonna receive the promotion God has for you. But if you've stood for the truth of God's word and you've been right with God and served his people, I believe there's a crown coming. And eight is new beginning. Three is the Holy Trinity. 83 is a breakthrough. So I believe because of the Trinity that transformation is coming. Three also represents the third day, amen? People may have thought you were dead. Just like Joseph's brother sold him into slavery, people may have thought you were in the pit. People may have said, you're never gonna make it. You, you can't do it, you're not smart enough. But I'm telling you, if you're in alignment with God, there's a promotion coming, there's a resurrection coming. There's a third day for your dreams coming. Hallelujah. It begins with obedience, but it ends with the kingdom of God. It's a year of faith. Faith is not always glamorous. Sometimes faith looks like being faithful. Sometimes it doesn't look flashy. Sometimes it doesn't move mountains. Sometimes faith is simply just being faithful. That's not flashy though, is it? It's serving the church, getting your prayer closet, reading your Bible, loving people that Jesus loves. It looks like faithfulness. And that's what this next season's gonna require. Because there is a mighty breakthrough coming, but there's a season where we've got to not be pulled to and fro, not be confused because things around us are looking shaky. It's a season of faithfulness, a double portion, wholeness, crowns. All of these different things in the Hebrew alphabet. So five, seven, eight, three. If you read that backwards as you're supposed to in the Hebrew, it's the word gadol. It's the root word for Gideon. <laughs> yes, I saw you down there. What does that mean for us? That means some of you have been in fear hiding in a wine press but God's about to bring you out of that place of fear into a place of faith. He's gonna make a judge and a general out of you. But you will not get where God wants you to get to if you don't leave the wine press and enter the field. Your time of fear and hiding is over. It also means that God's gonna separate the wheat from the tares in this next season. He may dwindle some churches or some ministries from 10,000 down to 300 like he did Gideon, but he's gonna do more with that 300 than he could have ever done with the 10,000 pretenders. God is narrowing this thing down to those who wanna fight, those who truly believe, and those who want to armor up and take the fight to the enemy. Many believe that one of the greatest Jews and 
rabbis, Saul, who became Paul, wrote Ephesians during the season of trumpets. And, and, and if you look at Paul's writings, you can tell he's smart because he studied the Torah and he knew the laws and he was a Jew's Jew. But when you begin to read his interpretation of the scriptures and you begin to read what the spirit had delivered to him, you, you, you see a common thing and it's move from the past into the present, into the future. You can't stay back there. So what do we do? I say we turn the page. Say that with me, turn the page. We gotta turn the page. It's time for a new revival. It's time for a new anointing. It's time for new favor, new opportunities, new struggles, amen? It's time for new fights, new levels of faith. We can't stay back where we were. God wants us to cross that Jordan and enter into our promised land, but we've got to turn the page. It's what it says in Ephesians, the church epistle. Apostle Paul says, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new, everybody say made new, in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off. There's some things we've got to take off before we can put on falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're in the midst of a revival and Carpenter preaches on unity. Never heard him preach on unity before. Unity. We're all members of one body. God cannot bless what is in distress. God cannot bless a mess. We have to walk in unity. We have to be on one team. We have to put away the former things, the things that we struggle with, the sin, humanity. We've got to spiritually put those things off and put on Christ. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. In this season, listen to me with your prophetic ears. I'm not trying to be preachy today. I'm trying to be a vessel. Listen to me. In this next season, 12 months, do not give the devil a foothold with what you say, with what you do, with where you go, with I'm just telling you, don't. Everybody makes mistakes, but the next 12 months, God's people, we are going to have to begin to prepare for battle. And you can't do that when you're in covenant with the enemy. So we get rid of those desires, we get rid of those bad covenants, and we start walking in the kingdom of God with the people God intended for us to be walking with. Somebody say amen. John 7, 17, if anyone is willing to do his will, he will know the teaching, whether it is of God. If you're willing to do these things, God will shift you from yesterday into tomorrow. There's a shift that must take place 
but we've got to turn the page. What do we do in this season if we want to see God's best? Number one, pursue him. Pursue him. Everybody say pursue. Pursue him in the area of intimacy. Everything's going to feel shaky, but if we, if we learn to focus on Jesus Christ, if we learn to focus on our worship, our prayer life, not everything that we're hearing or reading, if we'll focus on God, he will take care of us. It, Paul would say in Philippians, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Remember, the number seven in this new year is perfection and completion. Paul says, look, I'm not there yet. But I press on. Listen to me. In this next season, it's not that you're going to get there, but you've got to press on. Because a new season and a new revival is coming. But I press on that I may lay hold of that. That. What's that? That for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I may lay hold of that. It involves crowns. It involves kingdom. It involves purpose. It involves the millennial reign. It involves reigning with Jesus Christ. It involves the afterlife. That I may lay hold of that which is also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal. See, religious people press towards the prize, but God's people press towards the goal for the prize. See, there is a goal, and that goal is not your wealth, health, or success. It is your relationship with the king that died for you, that got up out of the grave. That's the goal. You press towards that then all these things shall be added unto you. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So freedom is coming. The word press, when Paul says, I press on, it means to follow hard after something or someone. In basketball, we have a full court press. That means you're just harassing the offense, trying to disrupt them. When you press for something, you pursue it passionately. You follow it hard. And a goal, a goal, what is a goal? It is to see something, to mark the target ahead of you. See, in the Christian life, we have all these different targets. Man, we hear all these different preachers and we have, all, the target's Jesus. It, it, the target is not wealth and health. Nothing wrong with that. God will give you those things. It's not the target. The target's not your miracle, as bad as you want one. I've seen God do many of them. But the miracle's not the target. It's good to be married. It's good to have friends, but the target can't be that. The target is Jesus, Yeshua. When he is our target, things begin to fall in line. And God will bless you with all of these other things. But I wonder sometimes in the kingdom if we've gotten away from the target. I wonder sometimes if we've gotten away from the main thing, from Jesus Christ crucified, to press on 
means you see the target as an intimate relationship with the Father God and you pursue it passionately with diligence. Mark chapter three, verse 14, Jesus appointed the 12 so that they would be with him. Everybody say with him. And that he could send them out to preach. Something about being with him that sustains you, that cleanses you, that carries you, that builds you back up. I'm thankful that we're all gathered here today and I'm thankful that the spirit is here today and the presence of Jesus is in this place. But my friend, do you know you need to be with him even when you're not in his house? You can be with him in the morning. You can be with him in your car. You can be with him in the airplane. You can be with him on the job. You can be with him anywhere. He's omnipresent. He's available to you at all times. He's God. Transformation is a process. You know, we talk about pressing on and turning the page and putting off the former self, putting on the new self, all those things we should remember this new year. But it's a process. That's why many of the stuff that we have been promised in the prophetic for this next season, it's a process. Hit your neighbor and say, I'm in process. You're always going to be. It's a fact of the kingdom. You're always going to be in process unless you have stopped and you're stagnant or you're dead. God is always working on you if you know him. Amen? It's a process. It is a process. You know, I believe one of the biggest misconceptions in the kingdom of God, especially for young people, teenagers, people new into the faith, it really doesn't even have to do with age. Religion convinces people that when they get saved, if they're not an angel with wings the next day, they've somehow made a false confession. I dealt with this all through my teen years to the point it made me want to quit on everything because my heart was for Jesus and I had had an experience with God, but I woke up the next day and my flesh was still on my bones. I I, I still got mad when people made me mad. I, I still wanted to do things that I, 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 I knew I didn't, shouldn't do, but, you know, I kind of still wanted to do them. It's a process. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things come new. Creation is, in the Greek, progressive change. I'm not as bad as I used to be. But I'm not as good as I'm going to be. That is the kingdom of God. But friends, for this season, we have to, number two, turn the page. Pursue him, absolutely. Number two, if we're going to walk in the fullness of God, if we're going to protect what's in us until it's time for our breakthrough, then we've got to not only pursue him, make Jesus our target, we've got to turn the page. Paul says, brethren, listen, I do not count myself having laid hold of it yet. That's the different translation. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it just yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. 
What is God asking of us this new year? What is God asking of his people as we turn the page, as we reach for greater heights, as we believe God for the more? This is my third point and final point. He's asking us to live full. Everybody say full. The first thing I believe God is asking of his people in this season is to first become a meaningful person. Everybody say meaningful. meaningful. Our identity must not come from what we do, our titles, but rather in who we are. Each time we come into God's presence after today, we should be changed from glory to glory. We should be basking in the glory of God. Don't be discouraged if you are not the person you want to be today. Keep coming into God's presence. Keep speaking his word. Keep loving his people. And eventually, as you turn the page, a shift will occur. And you will realize you matter more to God than you ever thought you did. He's going to continue to unveil and transform you until the day you are with him. So sometimes it hurts when he cuts on my flesh. But I know he's cutting on it because he loves me, amen? amen? Every now and then he has to break my heart to change my mind, but I know he loves me. Every now and then God has to bruise you to bless you, but bask in the glory because he loves you. He loves you. Become a meaningful person. Become a thankful person, a thankful person. Psalms 95, verse one and two, oh, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Thankfulness is not blind optimism. It's not sucking up, nor is it a fruit of the spirit. It doesn't happen automatically. Thankfulness is a choice. You choose whether you're going to be thankful or not. You make a choice whether you're going to be entitled or you're going to be thankful. It is a choice. Being thankful is a choice. As Michael was singing about the goodness of God, I just started crying up here on stage. I just started crying because I have seen so much, experience so much that I don't deserve because of his goodness. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful if today was my last day, I would be good with it. I said that up at Eric Clark's, just in the anointing preaching, and he had put me in a hotel for two days to rest and write after the revival. He thought I pulled a Chris Farley. He, he thought I was gonna kill myself or something. I said, what are you, he, he demanded to see me the next day. He said, Lindsay and I are afraid you're gonna die. I said, what? I said, you thought I was OD'd or something in here? What's going on? He said, you kept, I said, no, Eric. I said, here's the reality, my brother. I don't want to die, but God's been so good to me. Amen. He's been so good to me. He doesn't owe me another day. It's paid in full, baby. I have done what I was called to do. I've got a beautiful wife, my boys. I'm good. And it's, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm just saying I'm thankful. I'm not trying to get you to worry I'm gonna die. I just want you to know I'm at peace with it. And every Christian ought to be. 
I'm thankful for what God has given me. I'm thankful for 41 years. I'm thankful for the kingdom, the anointing, the blessing of God. Being a thankful person is not as much about having as it is about knowing. We've been given an open door to know Abba Father, his son Jesus Christ and the hero within the Holy Spirit. We've been given an open door to know him. Whatever God gives to us, he gives because of who he is, not because of what we do. God doesn't bless you because of how good you are and holy you act. There are rewards for obedience, but God loves you because you are his. Now the devil may have had you for a little while. He may have you now, but you're God's. You just haven't come to the full realization as to who you are in Jesus Christ yet, but you will because the Spirit's coming. The Spirit's gonna chase you in and out of places. It's gonna arrest you at the job, at the barroom, at the outhouse, at the meth house. The Spirit will chase you down with the love of God. Hallelujah. Become a thankful person. Give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his love endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Become a wordful person. Yeah. Become a person of God's word. Colossians says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Don't take my word for it or any other preachers every week. Get that Bible, man. Get you a devotional book. Start reading God's word. Let the spirit speak to you. God will show you things that are specific to your situation, your DNA, and your family. You can't get all that from an intermediary. You need to be a word person. All scripture is given is God breathed. It's God breathed. It's God's word. You say, I've never heard the voice of God. Well, pick up the Bible. Start there. That is the word of God. You want to hear God? Read his word. Now, there's other ways he can speak to you, but some people want all these other ways before they ever start with the basics. Don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Be a word person full of the word. So when the devil tempts you, the scripture comes, oh, I see what you're trying to do. I see what you're trying to do, devil. You tried to do the same thing to Jesus. You tried to tempt him with these. You tried to rob the miraculous with the temptation. You will be able to spot who to connect with, who not to connect with. The spirit will speak to you. you you'll know things that you don't even know how you know them, but you just know them. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Next, become a faithful person. Everybody say full. The author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrew says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Listen, become a faithful person. I'm not a pastor that's gonna beat you up because you don't have perfect attendance. I want you to be in the community. I want you to love your family. I want you to make memories. But friends, we have 3,000 plus on this roll and we need to see people, not you, many of you are the remnant, but we've got to go reach these other people and let them know the house of God is open and they need to be here. We need them here to go where we wanna go, to go where God has shown us we need to go. We need more volunteers across the board. We need them in kids' men. We need more greeters. We need more parking lot. We need more deacons. We need more ushers. We need more groups. We need more everything. 
I'm not beating you up. We're blessed. But what I'm saying is there is a grace factor to this, but we need a revival of faithfulness. I remember, you know, growing up, I almost hated church. I did because we lived here all the time. I mean, get up to crack it on Sunday, three services with dad. He'd come home, be about to pass out for lunch, go back for a Dickens meeting Sunday night. I was the kid on the all-star team that the coaches roll their eyes at because we was at church all the time. And I can remember one time I was out playing ball. I told mom on Sunday she wanted me to come in and go to church. I said, I'd rather go to hell than go to church again. But I'm telling you, as an adult, I look back and I'm thankful that I was brought to the house of the Lord. I'm thankful I met my wife in this church. I met some of my greatest friends in this church. I learned about the kingdom in this church. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in this church. I was saved and baptized in this church. I was married two or three times, wasn't we, Kelly? In this place. I love this place and I believe there needs to be a revival where the church is just not some social club where it's a family again, where it's a place where God's spirit is again, where there's connection, where it's not just a place we come sit and be entertained for our own personal benefit. It needs to be a family again. Become a faithful person. Faithful means full of faith. Become a spiritful person. Become full of the spirit. Ephesians 5, Paul talks about being filled with the spirit. Being filled with the spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit that comes in your life when you're saved to come on you, come upon you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To be immersed in the spirit of God. Yes, it can all happen with your saved. But for many people, just like their salvation and their discipleship, it's a process. It's a process. And some of you, the reason your flesh is disturbed all the time is because you're saved, but you don't have the spirit in you or on you. You're not filled with the spirit of God. And I'm not beating you up, but half of the nonsense I deal with as a staff and as a church it is with people who aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. I told Chad the other day, I said, first question we ask people from now on, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? I, I, I don't want anybody in leadership that's not filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want anybody on this team that's not filled with the Spirit of God. Because, it, it, you know, they can't hear what you're saying if they don't have the Spirit of God on them and in them. Can I get an amen? amen. I want when the Spirit moves, people to know it. I don't have time to resurrect the dead. I need God to move on and in some people. And let me tell you your personal benefit. You need the spirit of God because life is gonna punch you, kick you and drag you down with disease and things you can't explain. And if you don't know how to call on the name above every name, if you don't know how to get in the trenches with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in that other tongue and you begin to do war with the enemy, that when trouble comes, you will hear the voice of the enemy and not the voice of Jesus because all you've had is a remnant religion and now hell's broke loose and you need something real. You need the real Jesus. And I pray you never get desperate like that and hurt like I've hurt, but I also pray you do because you need the spirit of God on your life. So whatever has to happen to get you where you need to be in the spirit of God
you need to do it. Our text says there's some things we need to put off and there's some things we need to put on. Laying aside falsehood, we need to not be dishonest and we do not need to promote dishonesty or a false narrative. I'm pray, praying that God will raise up a remnant that when we hear false narratives, we shut it down. We don't give life or breath to that which is a lie. A lie is a lie. Lay off falsehood, speak truth with one another. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Colossians 3.8, but now you also put them all aside. Paul comes back to this theme time and time again. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. We still dealing with this. And he was dealing with it in the church way back then. We still deal with these things. And here go back to the prophetic part of this message. Next 12 months, don't do these things. It will rob you of a blessing. There are some things we must put on. The new self, the robe of Christ, the armor of God, the heart of compassion. It says in Colossians 3.10, we're to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And it says beyond all these things, we put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. You don't want to know what brings unity? Love. If you can get over being right and getting the last word in because of your love for someone, even someone that's attacking you or someone who doesn't function like they should as a Christian, if you'll just love them, that'll bring unity. Somebody has to be the bigger person, amen? Someone has to be a person of love and compassion. Someone has to be the person that says, look, I'm gonna let you hurt me for the sake of love because I want us to be together. Pastors have to do this all the time. And it's frustrating at times. But Christians are supposed to do it too. So I wanna close with these three things and I wanna pray over you. There are some things first we must claim. Everyone stand up on your feet. I want us to make some declarations. There are things we must claim. Everyone read the next line together. This belongs to me. To claim something, that is the declaration you make. There are some things we must claim. This belongs to me. It's time for you to come out of the wine press get to the field and start believing God for more for your life. You can get the promotion. You can learn. You can be trained. You can be promoted. You're promotable. You're a king's kid. Amen? There are some things we must claim in this new season. Number two, here's the hard one. There are some things we must cleanse. There are some things we must cleanse. I'm not talking about the person sitting beside you. I'm not talking about your kids. I'm talking about you. Say this next part together. This does not belong here. I want you to just take a moment right now. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Well, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be saved if you don't know Jesus in a minute, but this is really for the kingdom people, Christian people. Is there anything in your life right now that doesn't need to be there? Is there anything in your life 
false mindsets, fleshly sins, whatever it may be that doesn't need to be there. Ask God to remove it from you and forgive you of it right where you are. Just ask God to remove it. This does not belong here. Does not belong in the temple of the living God. Holy Spirit, right now, begin to do a cleansing work in this atmosphere. Begin to cleanse hearts, begin to cleanse minds. As you're asking God to forgive you and to cleanse you, understand that his word says that's precisely what he's already done. You are forgiven and he will remember your sins no more. So somebody ought to give God a shout of victory for that. Hallelujah. There are some things we must claim as we enter into this new season and turn the page. There are some things we must cleanse. Ah, but there are some things we must cover. Everybody say cover. I want to invite you to invite the Lord to rule and reign over all that he has given you. That's my prayer for you. That you would not be controlled and that I would not be controlled by stuff. So in this moment, I want us to invite the Lord to rule and reign and hover over what he has given to you. Just say this out loud. It's not mine. It's not mine. This house is not mine. This business is not mine. These vehicles are not mine. Whatever it may be. These children God has blessed me to raise, they're not mine. They're yours. Tell them. Tell Jesus. There's some things we must cover. Do not be controlled by your circumstances or your stuff. In this next season, we've got to claim. We've got to cleanse. And we've got to cover that which God has given us. God gave the land to his children, but they had to walk in the land. God's given us so much, but we fail to walk in it. Freedom, power, grace, anointing, wisdom. God has given us these things. In this new season, 5783, as we turn the page, it's time to walk in it. In the power of God, we must remove things from our abode that doesn't need to be there. And we must move from cleansing to claiming. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we move from cleansing to claiming and covering. Lord, you are our king. We worship you. I declare that this church is debt-free and prosperous. I declare that we have so much ministry going on in this city and around the world, we won't even hardly know how to manage it. Father God, I speak favor and anointing over everybody in this house that as we turn the page and enter into this new season, it will mean new opportunities, new ideas, new levels of entrepreneurship. No more of the same sin struggle that this season after today, that which has held you in bondage will be defeated and you will be walking in a new level of freedom. Starting tonight, it ends. It ends. The struggle's over, amen? Just say that, the struggle's over. Hallelujah.